0: Well, good morning again, everybody. We um, thank you, Jesse, lead worship team for leading us uh, so wonderfully this morning. Um, uh, again, I mentioned about Friends Day. Friends Day is next Sunday, November the 1st. It's also Time Change Sunday, so you and your friends get to sleep in an extra hour. Uh, invite people to join us not only live, but in, invite people to join us online as well. Uh, It's going to be a wonderful day. Uh, Part of the day includes a a work day uh, for a couple hours over at McClure Elementary School. Uh, just right over there on 61st Street within a, a mile of where we are right now um, we're going to be doing some cleanup fix up on the the outside of their building uh, in in hopes of being an encouragement to the teachers and children as they return for that uh, s- the beginning of that second nine weeks shortly after that uh, and so if you plan on joining us to, to help with that it'd be something your friend would enjoy helping uh, with as well uh, we, we would love to, to get lunch for you that day so but we need to know in advance that you're going to be a part of that time. So be sure and let us know so that we can have a box lunch and those will be available at McClure uh, when we arrive for the work day uh, right again uh, after the service on that Sunday. So uh, we look forward to that. Uh, Also don't forget excuse me at this coming Friday night this coming Friday night October the 30th Uh, We invite you, as you know, we're in this uh, time of prayer together as a congregation, uh, praying at noon and at 9 p.m. each day, either both or one or the other or whatever time best fits your schedule. But uh, we are praying together each and every day. But then this coming Friday night at 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary, uh, we invite you to come and join us for a time when we are gathered together to pray Uh, about a a variety of things, but especially for our country during this period of time. So please set aside that time and come and join us. We will be live streaming that as well, Uh, but if uh, at all possible, come and join us here in the sanctuary. Well, uh, as Miss Michelle so wonderfully pointed out, we are on number eight on the list of the fruit of the Spirit Hard to believe that we're already to number eight, right? Uh, Galatians 5, and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 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 the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, that word is the same word <clears throat> that is used by the Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, as he opens with those beatitudes, the first part of chapter five of, of, of matthew 's gospel, and the the, the, the particular uh, beatitude is found in verse five: Blessed are the gentle." Jesus said, "Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Uh, another word for your translation instead of the word gentle may have the, the same which the same word in the original language, meek, blessed are the meek." Now, unfortunately, when most people hear the word meek or meekness, they think of what? They think of weakness, weakness, and there couldn't be anything farther from the truth. Uh, it was interesting, uh, a while back, uh, Sports Illustrated article uh, written by a reporter uh, uh, for, for Sports Illustrated about a, a particular athlete who was having a, a very off year. And uh, the off-season, uh, or off, he was off year during the season, and was really struggling. And it was also well known that this particular athlete had become a Christian during the off-season. And this, uh, the writer of the article suggested that he had lost his competitive edge because he had decided to become a follower of Christ. That for some reason, people who follow Christ couldn't at the same time want to whip people's tail out on the field, right? And so he was actually, I'm so sorry, he was actually suggesting that that was what was taking place. And I guess he just completely had no knowledge of the fact that some of the greatest Hall of Famers, uh, such as Reggie White, Mike Singletary, uh, had a habit of whipping people's tail out on the field week by week, outstanding Christians. Um. Weakness, uh, meekness is not weakness. In fact, again, it's the exact opposite of it. The word comes from a word that was used to describe the taming uh, of a wild horse, Uh, taking that passion and power of that wild horse and bringing it under control for a good purpose. No less power, no less passion, but just simply brought under control for a good purpose. A good purpose. Gentleness is great power under control, great power put to good purpose. Gentle people are not weak. Arrogant people are weak. Gentle people are not weak. The gentle, Jesus said, are are the strongest people on the planet, right? What did he say? He said, They shall inherit the earth. Now, when we hear that word inherit, we think of a deceased relative leaving money behind, right? In fact, maybe you remember the story of little Billy, four-year-old Billy, who went to visit his great aunt Gertrude, and uh, the first thing he did was crawl up in her lap, and and he said to her, Aunt Gertie, would you make a a sound like a frog? And She said, Billy, what do you mean? He he said, well, well, mommy says that when you croak, we're going to go to Disneyland, Well, that's not the kind of inheritance Jesus is speaking of here. Inherit the earth. Jesus is is talking about much more than a piece of geography. He means that as a people who are fully surrendered to him, uh, who are fully surrendered to him in gentleness in meekness, that we have given him the reins, the control of our lives, that he will then empower us to do his will on this earth as it is done in heaven as it is done in heaven. Meekness is not weakness. You know, it's something really that we rarely think about. In fact, I I was really reminded once again, amazed once again, how much the Bible talks about gentleness. It it really is phenomenal. Uh, Gentleness is, for instance, the Bible says is powerfully attractive. It's one of the key marks uh, of a man of God. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing to Timothy, a young man that he refers to as his son in the faith, and he tells him, begins to to list the the characteristics of a godly man. In chapter 6 and verse 11 of 1 Timothy, he says, but you, man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness, gentleness, great strength Under the control of God in your life. Now, guys, especially if you're single, but for all guys, but especially if you're single, it's important to know that gentleness is something that is attractive to a good woman. How many of you remember this? How many of you remember the story of Boaz? It's found in a little tiny book in the Old Testament called the Book of Ruth, a little four-chapter book. If you've never read it, I encourage you to do that. If you haven't read it in a long time, read it this afternoon. It'll take you all of about 10, 15 minutes max. Um, but again, you learn about Boaz, this little book called the Book of Ruth. Boaz was a young, successful wheat farmer or sometimes referred to as as barley in the Old Testament. And one day as he comes in uh, toward the end of the day and his harvesters have finished their work, he sees some strangers that are out in the fields uh, taking wheat from his crop. Now it, it was actually a, a tradition, actually part of the of the of the law of Moses, that the harvesters were not to take all of the wheat. If, if they left, if they forgot some, left some behind, just failed it. If they just missed it as they were as they were picking it, and so on and so forth, or or, or dropped it, they were to leave that because those who were poor and homeless were then encouraged to come and glean, do what they call gleaning the fields of what was left over. <clears throat> and so when <clears throat> excuse me, when Boaz arrives. He greets his harvesters, and then he looks over in the fields at at the gleaners, and there's one that particularly catches his attention, and that's this young lady named Ruth. Oh, Ruth is uh, is poor uh, because she is a young widow; her husband has died, and there were widows were left destitute in that culture. <clears throat> um, So she she is poor. She is out there gleaning the fields. She's also taking care of her mother-in-law, who is also a widow named Naomi. So Ruth is out there gathering the leftover grain in Boaz's field. Now, Boaz could have gone out there and very rudely demanded, hey, get out of here, get off my property. But to the contrary, he is very gentle with Ruth. In fact, not only does he allow her to glean from his fields, but he actually makes sure that the harvesters for every day thereafter leave extra behind for her to be able to pick up. He commends her for taking care of her mother-in-law. And his gentleness does not go unnoticed by Ruth. Ruth chapter 2 and verse 13. Ruth answered, You are very kind to me, sir. You have made me feel better by speaking gently to me, even though I am not the equal of one of your servants, even though I'm not as as, even as as, as equal as your servants. Ladies, let me ask you, don't you always feel better when a man speaks gently to you? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Amen. Uh, Instead of harshly, instead of roughly or rudely, Boaz then invites her to have a meal with him. He even sends her home with a doggy bag at that point. He's being gentle. He's being kind. Long story short, out of that one simple incident, because he was gentle to her, they fall in love, they get married, and guess who the grandson of Ruth and Boaz was? King David was their grandson. King David. And Ruth is one of only four women that is mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. In other words, God used their marriage to ultimately bring the Messiah into this world. Now, here's the point. If Boaz had been ruthless and instead of being gentle, as one commentator observed, he would have been ruthless. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And, and, not my words, the commentator's words. <clears throat> and it all started with gentleness, the, the attractive power of gentleness. True gentlemen are gentle men, and it's not just men. Gentleness, gentleness is powerfully attractive in women as well. First Peter chapter three and verse four says, "You should be known for the beauty that comes from within." The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Now, don't misunderstand what he's saying here, but Peter is not talking about a personality type, okay? He's not talking about a personality type. He's talking about inner character. You know, we spend so much time on on the kind of beauty that fades, or I say we, not, not me. My beauty faded shortly after birth. <laughs> but, but women typically spend a, a fair amount of time tending to their physical beauty. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, let me speak for all the men in the room and say we appreciate that <laughs> very much. But how much time do you spend on beauty that does not fade? Unfading beauty. The Unfading beauty of the inner character of gentleness. Of gentleness, gentleness is powerfully attractive. Well, the Bible also teaches <clears throat> that, that gentleness powerfully earns respect. Respect. Proverbs eleven sixteen: A woman of gentle grace gets respect. Gentle grace. I told the story. Couple of Sundays ago, about Mother Teresa, she's this was this the uh, late Mother Teresa. She was this tiny, uh, barely maybe five foot tall, maybe not, uh, somewhat frail. This this tiny little Romanian nun, and she could walk into the halls of Congress, and, and 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 they would immediately put the have the fear of God instilled in their hearts. All these power brokers. And it, it was simply because she earned their respect with her gentleness, with the power of her gentleness, gentleness powerfully earns respect, which by the way makes it a prerequisite for leadership for leadership for the, for the most effective kind of leadership you know in, in business circles in terms of leadership. Gentleness is not something that has always been necessarily celebrated, right? But an author named Jim Collins, in one of the most influential business books in the past 20 years, entitled Good to Great, in his book, Collins recognized from his research that the men and women who were CEOs of companies, which they led from good to great, were all characterized by what the Bible would call gentleness. Gentleness. Well, one of those leaders was a man that Collins profiled was a man named Coleman Mockler, who was a strong believer, a strong Christian, and he was CEO of Gillette at the time. Led them from good to great. Well, Collins writes about Mockler. He describes him like this a quiet and reserved man, always courteous. Mockler had the reputation of a gracious, almost patrician that is a noble gentleman. Yet those who mistook Mockler's nature for weakness found themselves defeated in the end. In other words, Mockler was a picture of gentleness in action in the realm of this highly competitive business leadership. Gentleness earns respect. If you want to be a leader in any area of life, any area, whether a leader in business, a leader in church, a leader in government, in your home, in your school, in any organization, a great leader is a gentle leader. The greatest leaders of all time were gentle. George Washington was a gentle leader. He was known for being a gentleman, a gentleman. The man who is acknowledged most often as the greatest president in the history of our country in spite of any confusion that may have been caused this past debate, <laughs> was Abraham Lincoln. <clears throat> Lincoln was a gentle leader. And, and his gentleness did not make him weaker. It made him greater. He even showed gentleness in the way that he treated the southern states after they were defeated. He gently brought them back into the Union. In fact if Lincoln had not been a gentleman we would have remained very likely would have remained a divided country a divided nation folks <clears throat> we need to pay very very careful attention to this in our nation today i'm not telling you something you don't already know because we are a terribly divided nation are we not terribly divided right now and, and Please don't think I'm just pointing a finger at the leadership of our president. I'm talking about leadership on both sides of the aisle and not just political leadership. I mean leaders in every arena of life, companies, communities, churches, families. We need more gentle leaders to step forward and start leading. or or, or We are headed for much bigger problems in our country than what we are experiencing right now. Our adversary, the devil, has been sowing seeds of divisiveness everywhere. And those seeds have sprouted and grown. And great leaders are gentle. Gentle. Again, no matter what the arena. Great leaders do not divide people. They bring people together. Gentleness. You know, the the greatest leader in the Old Testament was who? Moses. Moses. Moses was incredible. Not, not perfect by any means, but an amazing leader. Moses liberated the Israelites from over 400 years of slavery in Egypt. He took on the most powerful man in the world at that time, the Pharaoh of Egypt. He was fearless. He was unafraid to go and speak truth to such amazing power that that Pharaoh represented at the time. He, He walked into Pharaoh's presence and declared this, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go. But listen to what the Bible says about Moses. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. Now the man Moses was very Meek. More than all people who were on the face of the earth, the meekest person on the earth at that time. And Again, meekness is not weakness. Not weakness. There are only two people in the Bible, actually, that are described in that way. One is Moses that we just heard. The other is who? It's Jesus. Jesus himself. Gentleness earns respect. And without respect, you cannot lead effectively. The Bible tells us, too, that gentleness is also a powerful witness, a witness to those who don't know Jesus. You know, when people look at you, and if if you're a believer and they know you're a believer, they're going to be watching you all the time. They are going to be looking to see how you respond. If you're any different than they are, especially when it comes to your response when you're under pressure or under great stress of some kind. In fact, think of your heart as a a container. And at any given time, that container is full. The question is, what is it full of? Uh, Because when you're under pressure or in a time of stress and you get bumped, what's going to happen? something is going to spill out, right? And whatever it is that spills out is what those who are watching you will see and remember. When you respond to pressure with gentleness, that is a testimony that will cause the world to sit up and take notice. Titus chapter 3 and verse 2. They must not slander anyone. That is believers, Christians must not slander anyone and must be quarreling. Instead, they, must, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. And if you claim to be a follower of, of Jesus, you're not supposed to slander or speak evil of anyone. You're not to be quarrelsome. Instead, you are to be gentle with everybody, show true humility to everybody. <laughs> I mean, that is a tall order at any time. But especially right now, is it not? Especially right now. Because that means even with people who are of a different political party, even with people who may vote different than you, plan to vote. Gentle, humble. First Peter 3 and verse 15. He writes, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer... Always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Gentle and respectful. As I heard someone say years ago, if you don't give them a reason to trust you, then how can you turn around and ask them to trust Jesus? The first question they're going to wonder about is not, is the Bible credible? They want to know if you are credible. You know, one person that is a well-known evangelist uh, um, in des- describing what he felt like was the key to being able to so effectively reach people for Christ as he has, had done, he said it was this, build a bridge of love between your heart and theirs and Jesus will walk across. Build a bridge of love between your heart and theirs. And Jesus will walk across. Well, that's a a good segue into this final truth about gentleness this morning. And that is this, gentleness makes you like Jesus, makes you like Jesus. Jesus Christ demonstrated throughout his life, what it means to be the, the greatest power in the universe under control for good purposes. <laughs> as you read about the life and teachings of Christ in the in the first four books in the New Testament that we refer to as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each one telling his story, one of the many things that you will discover as you do so is example after example after example of the power of the gentleness of Christ. But for the next few moments, I want to direct your attention to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. Uh, This book was written by the Apostle John, one of Christ's disciples. And he was given this revelation by Jesus himself. As Jesus is presented to us in this passage... Listen close, because it is is the perfect picture of biblical gentleness. Chapter 5 and verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll?" But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. You see, John looks into heaven and he sees the scroll on which the destiny of mankind has been written. And yet he, he, he weeps uncontrollably because there is no creature that can be found in heaven or anywhere else who can open the scroll. Then in verse 5, he's told, to, to, in essence, to dry his tears. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. But when John turns to look at the lion, what does he see instead? Verse 6. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, "'The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. "'Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense.' which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. That that is a perfect picture of gentleness. Gentleness is both lion and lamb. He's the lion who, who with the greatest power in the universe, brought under control, then brought it to bear for the greatest good in the universe, our salvation. The lion who became the sacrificial lamb, who, who died and was raised to life for us. Through his sacrifice, he reigns. John's vision continues, verse 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the the sea and all that is in them singing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever. Ever and ever and the four living creatures said, "Amen And the elders fell down and worshipped. Well, it's that vision, it's that revelation that I want to invite us all to join together now and sing about as Jesse comes to lead us. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Please be seated. The lion who is the lamb extends to us the greatest invitation that the world has ever known. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. I wonder, have you found that rest for your soul? Have you found that rest? Or are you out there in in this crazy COVID world getting more and more weary and burdened? Jesus' invitation is to take His yoke upon you. That is to receive His gift of salvation. That's why He died on the cross and rose from the dead. He did that for you. He wants you to receive that gift, not so that you might be weak, but that you might be gentle like Him. His meekness was not weakness. Please know that as you receive that yoke upon you, as you receive His gift, that you will receive the greatest power and strength the world has ever known that will get you through anything, anything in life. Let's pray together. With your head bowed and and eyes closed, if you're listening to these words and you're ready to receive that invitation into your heart you're ready to receive that gift of eternal life for yourself you're ready to enter that rest with your soul would you take the time to to let us know that send a text simply to 97000 all one word SHBC next Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that you are our gentle Savior, that you took the greatest power and strength in the universe and brought it under control in order to die on the cross to purchase our salvation. Lord, it's our simple prayer as we conclude this service this morning that You would make us more and more like Yourself, that You would make us more and more gentle. We ask this in Your blessed name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.